taste. <laughs> like we, it if was. I, if I say I don't like hot sauce, me and you are cool. As soon as I say I don't like collard greens, oh hell, we got to document this. Oh, we do. I don't. I don't like collard. What greens. do you mean you don't like collard I greens? Don't like collard greens. I actually don't like any of. The green leaf family? The, any of that. I don't like collards. I don't like kale. I don't like mustard. I don't like cabbage. I don't like any of it. You don't like spinach? I like baby spinach. Like in a salad. Or a smoothie. I know this doesn't help, but I mean, it's just the <laughs> truth. Who are you? I know. I know. <laughs> Here's the bad thing. Here's the terrible thing about deficits against a black card that doesn't exist i went through a swiss chard moment swiss chard swiss chard but but you know it's it's got like there's a very narrow window of swiss chard preparation that i like swiss chard but generally i don't like anything in the greens family <laughs> whoa 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 I'm sticking a, a a a pin in the greens. Okay. Swiss chard. Swiss chard. Which is just a green. It's just another kind of green. I've never even heard of Swiss it's, chard. It's, it's it's a thing. It's a deal. You sometimes you you, you see it on thing on menus and things. When? Where are you going? Where Swiss chard is on a menu? You, you go places. Like, I thought it, I thought you were talking about burnt no, cheese. No, no, a lot of farm to table restaurants. You'll see Swiss chard on there, and and I again, it it's it's a very narrow window of preparation that I've had it. Like where you just kind of saute it real quick with some garlic. And I'm like, you know what? I like this. Like we were out once and I had it. And I said, you know what? I like this. And I know I should eat more leafy vegetables, mm -hmm. but I don't like them. Mm -hmm. So I'm always looking. So it's like I like baby spinach. Mm -hmm. You know, I like salad stuff. Like, like you know, the spring mix and, and you know, like the, like the leafy green vegetables. Right. But cooked every now and again, if it's done the way I like it, I like Swiss chard. But I don't like collards. I don't like mustard. I don't like um, kale. Like, I, like, I understand kale. I don't like, I'm not a big person of kale. You, you know, it, unless the kale is raw. Like I like kale in a salad. Like you go to like sweet green. Like those of you who don't have sweet greens in where because you know people are listening all over. Like like it's a salad place. Everybody is looking up Swiss chard. That's what they're doing Everybody's right now. Everybody's not looking up Swiss chard. They don't know it's Swiss chard. It's not a you can't even. It, 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 it's not a deal. Yeah, I, it's not a deal. I I I I'm willing to bet. Okay. We have like about we have a, a few thousand people that listen to our show. Yes. I'm willing to bet. More than 50% of them had no idea what a Swiss chard is. You know what? I'll take that bet. I would take that bet. But regardless, if there was a black card. And how you don't like collard greens? I don't like them. Look. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait I don't minute. Like, Whose collard greens have you had? Every, every old black woman that I've met in, in, in my whole entire life. Your wife doesn't make... Does she like collard greens? She does. So she cooks collard greens every once in a while? 
No. You won't allow her to introduce your children into collard greens? No. I, your children can't be black? I didn't say. I didn't say I don't allow her to cook them. She just don't cook them. Well, why doesn't she cook them? If she likes them. I mean, you have to ask her. Has she cooked them before? I, that was the other thing I was going to say. I don't know if she's ever actually prepared collard greens before. Oh. Well, I don't know whether or not she's prepared collard greens either. <laughs> right. But they're always in the pot. Yes. And you got to cook them down. You got to cook them down, like, man. Like, you got to put the bone in there. Right, you just did ham hot. on the stove for like... 12 hours? Yes. I, I just don't like it. Are you out of your mind? I don't. I don't. Did your mom make pop My greens? mom absolutely made And you didn't like greens. your mom's my collard mom greens? Actually, actually, it's a funny story. My mom. Funnier than the fact that you don't like collard my greens? My mom was actually making a pot of collard greens when she went into labor with me. Oh. That is a true story because she was nauseous. Throughout her entire pregnancy, she couldn't eat anything. She got a taste for collard greens, mm-hmm. was making a pot of collard greens, went into labor with me. Well, now it makes sense. And then the story is when she came home with me, she ate them. No, it makes sense, though. That, 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 that's why I don't that, like It them. makes total, total sense why you don't like collard greens. I mean, it could be. It's not a could be. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Now, to go back to what we were talking about before you hit record... The funny thing, the reason I'm such, uh, like, like I'm really harsh about grits. Grits apparently were the first solid food that I ate when I was a baby, like, like adult food. Oh, okay, all right. Like the story is, I was on my mother's lap because mm-hmm. you, you know this was the '70s. Like my dad didn't really do nothing but watch, <laughs> pretty much. Right. So the way it goes. And I was on her lap, and she was spooning grits into her own mouth. Mm-hmm. Spooning baby food into my mouth, mm-hmm. and she got mixed up, ah, and gave me grits. And the story in my family goes that once I had the grits, I pushed my baby food away, and for- forevermore, and forevermore was a lover of grits. So, like that part of my black card is quite safe. Well, let's test it. How do you like your grits? Oh, with butter, salt, and pepper. Okay. Is the way they should be. Like, if you can't make good grits with butter, salt, and pepper, you can't make good grits. Now, I like them with cheese and shrimp and, you know, all the stuff that people put on them. But an actual prepared pot of grits should be able to be eaten with just (laughs) butter, salt, and pepper. What are these prepared pots that you have going on in your house? You prepare them. You cook them. You make them. What people don't know is that you're sitting here in damn near an ascot. <laughs> so that's... <laughs> it's quite cool in Philadelphia today. <laughs> but not where Vince is. It's quite cool, so... Looking like you're ready to solve a mystery. <laughs> yeah, so... But don't think you're going to deflect from yourself with the grits and, and the um, syrup. If there's syrup on my plate, I will dip... First of know. all... That's way too much starch. Second of all, that's disgusting. Having pancakes and 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 grits yeah, that's too much starch. Yeah, and, I don't and, eat like that before and anymore. And mixing savory and 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 sweet and that's just that's just too much. I mean, nobody orders pancakes worried about the starch. No, 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 no. But but it's about the balance of the plate. Well, what do you mean? This so where's the too much starch? And you have a meat and perhaps eggs. But like pancakes 
It's like you see like pancakes and hash browns. Like it's that's too much going on. Yeah, you're right. So I be I was hungry. No, apparently I was a grown boy. Oh, apparently I don't eat like that anymore. Oh, yes, yes. So, but I will eat collard greens. Yes, everybody will eat collard greens except me. That's weird. I know. I know. It's 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 one of my little things. I don't like collard greens. I don't like a, like I said any of the leafy, vegetable-y things, and I don't, I don't like them. I don't like it. All right, that's me. You know somebody's going to write. He just had to have yes, my collard know, greens. I've just never had your collard greens. Yes, I understand. And he never will. Uh, yes. Or I mean, you know, shit, I'll taste them. Oh, so you will taste them. Oh, I, I so you'll take. So you'll take the challenge. Look, that there may be collard greens look, out there that you like. Look, anything is possible. And when I go places, and and collard greens are the vegetable, and you know, like I eat them. Mm-hmm. But like I don't like them. Like people love collard greens, mm-hmm. and, and you know it's like you appropriately enough. Like it's almost like a Tyler Perry movie. Loads and loads with some collard greens in the kitchen, and people talk about eating collard greens and and, and collard greens. And I just no, I don't like them. I'll eat them if, if that's some vegetable because you have to eat your vegetables. But I'm gonna get you some collard greens. Oh lord. I'm gonna get you some yes, collard greens. I'm sure. And these are probably gonna be the, you know, I've had good collard greens. I ain't just ain't had good collard greens. Now I'm gonna get some Philadelphia collard greens because certainly when I think soul food, Philly. Yes. All day. All day, right. My people are from Louisiana and Alabama, but certainly I've been had the Philadelphia. Hey, 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 hey. You don't get to, to pull the my people card. Mr. Don't eat collard greens. I mean, that's whose collard greens I was eating though. Like it's people from Louisiana yeah, and, and Alabama. they were and they were and they weren't good enough for your bougie ascot wearing uh, Swiss chard. So so I got get here in sucking Philadelphia. Philadelphia, the, the ground zero of the bougie Negro. <laughs> w. E. B. Du Bois wrote a whole dissertation on bougie ass Philly Negroes. He did. The Philadelphia Negro. But he was eating a peanut butter and but jelly he was sandwich. But W.E. Du Bois was that dope. Yeah, yeah. All right. Welcome to the Michelle Mission Two Men one podcast every black film ever made i am your host vincent williams of it's all soul and i am joined as always yo what's up holla at your boy this is len aka the bat triple and as we move into the penultimate episode of our halloween month we are going to spend some time with the thriller slash horror film Slash black horror film, Acrimony. <laughs> wow, wow, you peaked real hard right there. By act, by by actor, director, important black person Tyler Perry. But before we spend some time with Acrimony, and I think it kind of goes without saying, folks, buckle up. <laughs> We're headed into some turbulence. Oh boy, are we. We, are. we have some emails and 
letters and tweets and thises and thats that we have to... We certainly do, Vince. Uh, Aaron Fry wrote us... Hey, what's up, Aaron? ...at Mission at gmail.com. In these days of the reboot craze, I know somebody eventually is going to try to reboot Good Times. So he is offering a few suggestions to whomever comes up with this idea. Okay. Number one, do not kill James ever. Right, right, right. Keep that family dynamic. I think everyone would agree about that. Number two, switch the birth order of two of the children. Michael should be the firstborn. Thelma should remain the middle child. And JJ should be the youngest because of his childish ways. Hmm, interesting. I agree, but I think you've already upset the dynamic of the show and part of the reason the show, of course, is 2018, so those those issues shouldn't be a concern. I always thought Michael could be militant like he was in the early years because he was young. really young yeah, and he wasn't as threatening. Right. But in 2018 or 19, when this really bad idea is going to happen, it, yeah, sure, I like that. Number three. Make the Wilona character Hispanic. Sure, why not? <laughs> and number four, keep the show set in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, I think you have to. I think you have to keep it set in Chicago. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I don't know if you really need to keep it in Chicago. I think it'd be really interesting to have it set post-Cabrini Green mm. after it's all been torn down. Okay. That's well I, I hadn't thought about it from yeah. that perspective, but that is a good point. That is a fair point there, uh Vince. I hope they never do it, but I think you're right, Aaron. No, it's it's coming back around. In fact, I think I saw something that said um Norman Lear had signed some type of deal. Oh really? To 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 reboot a bunch of stuff. He he signed deals for whatever. Whatever yeah. they want. I don't care. Yeah. So. Keep it moving. Yeah. Um, Markham Lee. Hey, what's up, Markham? After watching Brother from Another Planet for the first time yesterday. Yes. Um, I'm putting this prediction here before I listen to the podcast review. So this is before he listens to the review. <laughs> okay. This is what he's predicting. Right. What's he predicting about us? Len. Yes. Will be in old man Len mode. <laughs> I'm not judging. My family has called me grandpa since I was five. And Vince will find interesting things. It's true. I did. You sure did. <laughs> also. I think you kind of liked it. Did you kind of like it? Yeah, I remember. You didn't like that it was space slavery. Yeah, there were some aspects. Yeah, you didn't like the space. Like, you yeah. actually wanted it to be more fantastic. Yeah, but overall. Right, I, right, right, know, right. I think I liked it. And I like Joe Morton. Yeah, know. yeah. Also, he continues, I'm scratching my head. At Len saying he likes Ghost Dog. That movie is so boring and terrible. I wish someone had stripped away the funding to make it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Lord. I remember really liking Ghost Dog. I remember liking it, too. Yeah. But to be fair, I, I don't, it's yeah. been a minute. I was I about to say, I don't really remember about anything it. about it. So, yeah. In the Spock adjacent world, you probably saw this event as the first season of Discovery heads to Blu-ray. Yes. Um, there was an interview with Oyen 
Olodejo. Yes, sir. Who is um, a, a character. Yes, she is. On 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 Star- Discovery. On She's the sister. Yes, she is. She's the sister. And I saw she had a name in it. I meant to click on it to see what her character's name was, and I didn't because I got distracted. She is Ops Officer Joanne Owosikum. All right. Owosikum. O-W-O-S-E-K-U-N. That's right. She got the little shaved hair. She got the little shaved sod. I liked it. They gave her a speaking role the last couple of episodes. Peep this from her interview. Okay. I mean, her interview is kind of cool to read it. Um, and there's a link for it in the Facebook group. But this from the interview is all you need to hear. Okay. This is um, Oyen speaking. So I decided I was done with acting. Mm. And I told my agent that, and she said, well, do this one last audition. Mm. Tuesdays, two days later, she was like, they want you. And by the way, it's Star Trek. Nice. I was in Vancouver. Cleaning houses and landscaping. Wow. And I got the call saying, you got it. You need to fly back in two weeks. When opportunity knocks, open the damn door. That is fantastic. How's how's that for us? That is fantastic. And look at her. Look at her killing it. God bless you, girl. That is all right. Go on, sister. I am not mad at you at all. Do the damn thing. I can't wait for season two. I know, right? You see the trailer? No, I don't want. I don't want to watch the trailer. So you haven't heard? Okay, well I won't say anything then. Heard what? Just about the developments in the season. I don't want to know anything about. All right. Okay. I want to be surprised. Okay. So that is what I will be. All right. So I will be surprised. Brandon Payton. Hey, what's up, Brandon? Y'all really going to talk about Candyman's kills without mentioning what he did to that boy left holding himself on the bathroom floor? Yes. That is not textual. That's apocryphal because remember, that was part of the interview in the beginning that um, Virginia Madsen and Cassie Lemons were conducting with people Mm -hmm. who were retelling urban legends. Right. So that didn't actually occur on screen. No, it did not. That's why we didn't talk about it. Even though... Even though Anthony Sterling <laughs> commented, yeah, he gutted him from his his ass to his appetite. He did. He did. <laughs> he did. Really bad. Anthony Sterling also shared a link to um, season two, episode 13 of Sanford and Son. Yes. He says, and I'm way behind on episodes, but I just finished the Binge Lounge cartoon episode. Thanks, Vince and Len, for the blessing y'all bestowed in the form of informing us on the greatness of Kim Hamilton. Yes, sir. While her name was unfamiliar to me, I realized her beautiful face was... When I watched an episode of Sanford and Son where she played Carol Davis, she is truly an unsung, multi-talented force. Yes. And she was fine. Very much so. Yes, she was. Good looking woman. <clears throat> Walt Walterson. What's up, Walt? <clears throat> I am two weeks behind, maybe more. I loved your talk about Beloved. Thank you. A film, I'd argue, is one of the most emotionally wrenching black films ever made. This is tough. I wept during two films, Schindler's List and Beloved. Yeah. Beloved represented our lost ancestors' pain, and Thandie Newton represented that viscerally. Yeah. Schindler's List represented an industrialized racial hatred that we haven't stopped 
and it's still possible. There is a third leg of the film that you guys probably didn't overlook but edited out. I think it's a portion of the film that stands on its own, Baby Suge's Preaching. Bea Richards preached the sermon that yeah. was independent of uh, independent of Middle Eastern mythology, European paternalism, and that captured some aspects of the indigenous forest where she held church. Yeah, that's a great scene. That is. Where they're really just sort of celebrating life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and joy. Yeah. So. Yeah, he, 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 makes, a good, he makes a good point that I did... Um, Take note of that yeah. when watching the film, and I just forgot to mention it. Yeah, and, yeah. Those, and again, those were very strikingly done, and I thought it was actually noteworthy that the film more or less goes out on that. Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I like that. Yeah, again, it's a great film, just on the level of scene to scene mm-hmm. that can almost stand on their own, as he points out. In some movie news. Hmm. Greg Sims posted. What's up, Greg? Letting us know that are you are you a fan of the Fast and Furious movies? Of, of course. Well, you know that there's going to be a Hobbs yes. and Shaw yes. movie yes. starring The Rock and uh, Jason Stratham. Stratham, Statham. Yeah, and Idris Elba's about to join the family. Oh, oh, oh! I keeps up with the Fast and Furious. So, are you excited about this? I am excited. I want the Fast and the Furious to just keep getting more and more ridiculous. Well, like I want a parallel universe. I want the underwater city of Atlantis. I want aliens. Like I just needed to get bigger and bigger and more ridiculous. Well, they're not ridiculous enough for you? No, I demand more ridiculous. How much more ridiculous? I just they said they jumped from three. He jumped from a building. That's right. To a building. That's right. And they were on the ice. Building. And the sub came. That's right. I demand aliens. You've got the rock. <laughs> I love the fast. Fast and Furious is so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. It really is. This is dumb. It's, it's like they took a room full of 13-year-old boys and just gave them Skittles and Gatorade for an hour. <laughs> and then they handed them a legal pad and three magic markers. And said, come up with some movie ideas. I love the Fast and the Furious. God bless those dumbass movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh did you see the trailer for best of enemies starring, i did starring um taraji yeah and Henson. sam rockwell yeah yeah it looks good but you know <sighs> what it's not it's, a slave movie it's not a slave movie it's a little period pc it's a little yeah you know we all gonna Based get along on the, um, the true story of two people from opposite ends of the spectrum who figure out that they have more in common than not and they transcend race and come to an understanding and i'm sure we'll get john legend to do a theme song or some shit and uh, yeah sure fine 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 yeah, okay, fine. Sure. Yes. Fine. Hmm. 
Uh, well, there you go. There's our take. <laughs> and, uh, Based on the true story of something that happened <laughs> You're wrong. to make suburban white people feel okay for two hours. George Cremona wrote us. Hey, George. I need you two to know. Okay. That you might owe my job a new monitor from me spitting up my coffee. <laughs> oh, no. Off of pancakes for dinner <laughs> and Richie. Richie. Yeah, yeah. And you'll be happy to know that uh, Issa Morales is in the new season of National Geographic's Mars. See? And now I'm interested. <laughs> now I'm interested. Issa Morales should be in everything. Hey, where are you on uh, on uh, uh, Ozark? Still on episode one. Jesus. <laughs> we were talking before we came. Oh, that's right. I'm. You're stuck on a Batman Brave in the Bold loop. I am burning through Batman Brave in the Bold. Like, it's my job. Oh, Lord. Let me go ahead and watch three episodes of a 10-year-old cartoon real quick. Four 10-year-olds. Yes. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, Catrice Greer wrote Hey, what's up, homie? Hey, guys, you are the best. Well, thank you. You're also the best. Thank you for your generous shout out in your intro. The movie critique was excellent. Thank uh, you. Speaking about our critique of uh, Beloved. Thank you. I appreciate and enjoyed this podcast so much. I cried towards the end. It is. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, Don't do that. It is such an honor. To listen to two intelligent black men discuss this film with such nuance and thoughtfulness. You two, once again, truly impressed me. Academically, I studied this book in senior seminar classes. The classes were always all women and within a feminist scope of the syllabus. To hear male voices, black male voices, critique this and with such insight truly made me wish... I was alongside each of you 30 years ago or so, back when she was in school. I am a Michelle member, Page member, that is very grateful for your astute critique. Plus, you are so intelligently humorous. What a joy. Many thanks. You guys are tops. Thank you. I appreciate that. That was very nice. That was very nice. I feel warm and tingly. I know, right? Um, did you hear, Vince, in in a last bit of movie news, the the 2019 release schedule for the Criterion Collection? Man. Now there. What are you talking about? Well. Uh, I mean, I know what you're talking about, but go ahead and talk about it. Okay. Well, they are releasing... Um, Iranian director Abbas Karastami's 24 Frames. Okay. I've, I've never heard of that, but I'm sure it's very good. I've never heard of it either. They're releasing uh, Romanian filmmaker Christian Mungu's Four Month, Three Weeks, and Two Days. Okay. Same, but I'm sure it's a fine film. Yeah, me too. 
They're also releasing Elaine May's gangster film from the 70s, Mikey and Nikki, starring Peter Falk and John Cassavetes. Oh, I've never heard of that, but I, I bet that's banging. I actually think that's probably good. I've never heard of it. I like everything about that description. They are also, because they have reacquired the rights to, okay. releasing a Criterion collection of 1946's Alfred Hitchcock's Notorious. Wow. Which is one of my favorite Alfred Hitchcock movies. Wow. Have you ever seen uh, um, a good print of it? I, well, I don't know. I've seen it on like TV. Right, right. Just so, but I'm assuming they're going to clean up the print and. Yeah, I assume so, yeah. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Notorious is fantastic. And from 1967. Yes, sir. They're releasing Norman Jewison's yes, sir. In the Heat of the Night. There it is. Starring Sidney Portier and Rod Steiger. There it is. I think, I, I think we're going to do it in the Heat of the Night when it comes out. When it comes out, when it comes, when it comes out, I because I'm comes out January 29th, 2019. Yeah, because I'm definitely buying it. Yeah, and and you know we we may have to do a Criterion Collection print review of In the Heat of the Night to see whether or not the collection does it justice. I cannot wait to see In the Heat of the Night. Like to Sir with Love is my favorite Sidney Poitier film. Mm-hmm. But I think In the Heat of the Night is Sidney Poitier's best film. Really? Top to bottom, left to right. Pile them up, shuffle them, go through them. I I think In the Heat of the Night is apex Sidney Poitier. Oh, you might be right. Absolutely adore that film. And Rod Steiger is amazing. He is. In that film. He, He really is. Um, Rod Steiger, who is a, a, an actor of note, and yeah, I think he, he yeah. gets he gets slept on. Absolutely, um, I think uh, he because uh, he was like in the wake of like right between James Dean and Marlon Brando. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's why he gets slept on. Yeah, um, but Rod Steiger, yeah, he he, he killed when him. he was a younger man. When he was a younger, and then yeah, when he, this is right. Like then when older. he got older, right, he almost had it like almost a Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Second stage, yeah, where yeah. he kind of lost that youthful look mm-hmm. and became this great. I mean, you want to say character actor, but it's like character actor, like Samuel Jackson is a character actor, like he has the attributes of a character actor, but he could carry a film, yeah. So, and and he's like, I wanted him and Sidney Poitier to make other films together. And there's other things you can just herald about this film. The film won five Oscars. Yeah, so, oh yeah. Including Best Picture. Yeah. But you got uh, uh, Haskell Wexler's cinematography and the score. I was about to say. The, the score, score is by Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones. That's right. So that's And it's a great score. Like, everything about In the Heat of the Night. And, and from, the be- from the moment that film comes on. Mm-hmm. It grabs you by the throat, yeah, and does not let you go until the credits roll. You know, so I'm very excited about that. You know, I enjoyed our interview with uh, Tony Todd last yeah. week. Oh yeah, you can find on MichelleMission.com. Uh, I enjoyed it a great deal. Tony's a great, yeah, guy. yeah, absolutely good guy. And I love you know whoever we get to talk to, but like Quincy Jones, I think like it's like a dream. Oh interview man, come for, on, stop for me. Yeah. 
It'll be fun to just sit down and just talk movies say, and, and music. And, and, and dream interview. Like, I don't even want to interview the guy. Like, like I would love to just walk up to him and say, you know, Mr. Jones, can I buy you a bottle of something? And could I sit here and have two drinks with you and just talk to you through those two drinks? Like, come on. I mean, my God, Quincy Jones. Can you imagine what that man knows? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely a dream. That would be a dream to talk to Quincy Jones. Only you'd have to buy him a, a bottle of brown liquor. You can't buy him wine. I mean, I'm a bomb whatever he wants. Okay. It's probably going to be. But he likes wine. Right. It's probably really expensive, whatever he really wants. Expensive. But yeah. I would take out a second mortgage. And he and, likes his wine with collard greens. Um, <laughs> Well done. Well done. <laughs> well, I would have some super expensive wine and a plate of collard greens with Quincy Jones. All right. We got to get into our review. But before we do, I, um, I invite each and every one of you, if you really want to help us, the best way you can help us is go into iTunes. If you subscribe that way and leave us a ranking and a rating such as Excelsior Tribble did. Viva la Mission. The Me Show mission is not just a black movie podcast. All right. It is even more than a celebration of black cinema. All right. When Vince and Len spend time breaking down the cinematic texture of a film, they bring to light those who truly were artists of their time, like Melvin Van Peoples. Mm-hmm. Mm, you lost me there. Uh-huh. When a period, <laughs> when a letter from the missionaries creates wells of laughter. They come not at the expense of another, but from a place of joy, recalling a film we've long since forgotten. And when I hit stop on my podcast player and feel more informed after seeing such actors as Michelle Nichols, Sidney Poitier, Thandi Newton, and John Boyega, I realize this is not just a podcast. The Michelle Mission truly represents an attempt to solidify, once and for all, the Black diaspora's full effect on Hollywood cinema in all of its forms. This show is scholastic, goofy, timely, and above all, necessary if you understand identity in America today. Wow. Thank you. Damn. I know, right? (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, we try. We do try. We do try. We do try. So thank you. We try to be scholastic, goofy. We definitely try to be timely. Right, right, right. And we, you know, I, I like to consider us necessary. I, um, hey. But you be the judge of exactly what we are now. <laughs> Here we go. As we get into our review of Acrimony. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. think you have an anger problem? Don't tell me I don't have a right to be angry. You don't know what he did to me. Help me understand this injustice. Just just tell me what happened. How far do you want to go? Why don't we just start from the beginning? 
was beautiful. Gotta give him that. I was everything he needed me to be. I was strong when he needed me to be. I played weak. 18 years seemed to pass like days. He wouldn't cheat on you, would he? He's not touching me, so if he's not getting it from me, he's getting it from somewhere. You lie and you cheat. I'm Diana, Robert's fiance. You ever considered that maybe there's another way to look at this? Maybe he did mean what he said. Maybe the deceit isn't what you think. Would you allow room for that possibility? He caused all of this. All of it. Every damn breath in his body. So as we enter our third week, we come to Tyler Perry's Acrimony, a 2018 thriller slash psychological thriller starring Taraji P. Henson as Melinda Gale, the first wife and then divorced mate of Robert Gale, played by Lyric Bent, who, after the divorce, is not satisfied with the result of the divorce. And the film outlines their relationship the disintegration of their relationship and Henson character, Henson's character, Melinda, how she badly deals with it. This is a film that we are talking about within the context of horror, black horror, thriller, Halloween month here on the Michelle Mission. And this was the choice of Mr. Lynn Webb. Lynn, my friend, my brother, <laughs> what do you say of Tyler Perry's acrimony? Well, first of all, I try to be fair. Okay. If you listen to our review of, I believe it was Attack the Block. Yes. At the top of that show, I had mentioned that I had gone to see Acrimony at the behest of my my lady. Yes. And I came away disturbed by yes. what I saw. Yes. I, to put it mildly, I did not like the movie at all. Yes. And it is a legendary rant it that is, you can go listen to. It is glorious. So... I wanted to give this one a fair shake. Yes. Okay. And like you said, there is a twist that happens in this movie with uh, the Melinda character that is akin to some of the greater horror movies of recent times. Yes. So this movie could maybe fit into that genre. Yes. If 
looked at through that lens. Yes. So I tried to look at this movie through fresh eyes, Mm -hmm. paying attention to possibly can this truly fit into the, the horror genre. But then I gave myself an exercise. Okay. So... I opened up a notebook on my phone, <laughs> and I, I I challenged myself to write down five things that I like about the acrimony. Five things that you like about acrimony. Number one. Number one. There appears to be an intentional color palette to the film if you just go from the beginning. Yes. Because there's the, there is like a... A haze, uh, some kind of like filter on 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 the on the screen when you when the film opens up with the prerequisite shot of a bridge. How many movies start with a bridge now? So there's a bridge in the movie, um, and then you see like the the cityscape, and and I don't know. And now I'm colorblind, so this like. For some reason, I'm seeing a lot of greens. I don't know if that actually is what it is. Okay. That's what I'm seeing. Okay. Greens. It probably is another color, but whatever that color is, it looks like it's very intentional. Yes. Because it stays on the movie even until you open with Taraji P. Henson's character in what is, it apparently is like a counselor or psychiatrist's yes. office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Court appointed. Right. Court appointed a therapist. A therapist. Yeah. And relating her story. Yes. From which. She will now provide a voiceover for the rest of the film. Yes. But that intentional color palette. Yeah. Whether or not it adds anything to the film. Right. I like the, at least in, up to my eye, it looks intentional. And I like the fact that, okay, Tyler Perry, who wrote, produced, and directed this film. Absolutely. Is going for something here. Okay. I'm not sure if... If it's connecting, mm-hmm. but I appreciate that he is, I think he's going for something. All right. So that's number one. That's number one. Number one. Number one of the five things that I liked about Five acrimony. things that Lynn Webb liked about acrimony. Number two. Number two. We never got to number two. <laughs> Here we go. Because from there, I just start writing notes. <laughs> About things that I wanted to bring up in my review, just in general. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I will read them to you. Okay. The script is in love with itself. It's telling instead of showing. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, it. the script sounds like it's a first draft. Mm. It does not sound like it's, it's been gone over at all. Mm-hmm. There are many times when the voiceover says what the Melinda character is going to do, and then you see the M- Melinda character do it. <laughs> and now she has to, the voiceover has to comment about what Melinda did as you see Melinda stand there and react to what she just did. <laughs> Which leads me to my second note, that the voiceover is annoying. Yeah, yeah, voiceover. Because it is not because it the movie sets up that the voiceover is Taraji P. Henson, you know, begrudgingly mm-hmm. telling this story to her therapist. Right. From that point on, all of a sudden Taraji P. Henson is acting out a book. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's what she's doing. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. is acting out pages from a book because there's nothing that sounds like she is just relating a story mm-hmm. to this therapist. Also, the best voiceovers, which usually are about somebody re- relating something that happens in the past, the voiceovers fade out mm. because you're seeing what happens you're, you're in the past. actually watching it. So you don't no, no longer need for the voiceover to tell you what's happening. Right. You don't even need the voiceover to tell you what you, the person is thinking. Right, right. Because you're watching it. You're actually... And yeah. sometimes you want to just be informed by what the acting is telling you. hmm But no, not in a Tyler Perry movie. <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> Got to hold on to those precious jewels of this tome that he wrote because, trust me, I guarantee within two years, Acrimony, the book, is hitting bookstores. Oh, no. Why not? He could just take hey, her voiceover hey, and just put it on the, and, and that's the audible. Put it on the cassette. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. right there. The staging and directing mm. of Tyler, Tyler Perry, yeah. who has now, what? been directing movies a solid 10 years oh absolutely probably more yeah absolutely his staging and his directing is still yeah extremely amateurish yes crowded and Mm. has no type of nuance or style at all Mm -hmm. even even if he was just a director that was uh, uh stealing you know or cribbing styles from someone else you know, that's at least him trying to do something. Mm-hmm. He's not. Case in point, there's a scene where there's a funeral because Melinda's mother dies. Yes. And her boyfriend, uh, Robert, mm-hmm. and this is them younger, comes into the funeral and immediately steps up, meets her two sisters, right? Right. Melinda then walks into the scene. Like, oh, Robert, I didn't know you were here. Yeah, I was here talking to your sisters. They was giving me, giving me the, the once over. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to a wide shot, at which point Robert is standing directly in front of Melinda, and you can't see her. <laughs> then some dude from her past comes in. He says hi to everybody, walks into the middle of this little semicircle, because now the two, the two sisters, their fiancés have popped up out of nowhere. Yes. Cuts to the wide shot. The new dude, he's standing in the middle of this of the semicircle. You can no longer, you can barely see the two sisters behind him. You still can't see Melinda, who is now <laughs> hidden by his shoulder and Robert. And this is a scene that goes on for at least 40 seconds on the screen. It's a lot of people. There's a lot of people in the scene. In yeah. this scene. It is, and, and that's just the beginning. Yes, yeah. It is just nothing but amateurish um like just just nonsensical staging camera work in this film and there's no excuse and at this absolutely point. at this point there there's no, no excuse, excuse right absolutely in the world for tyler perry I, don't get me wrong i'm not asking tyler perry to become martin scorsese no you know what i mean but i'm like dude you've been at this 10 years when are you going to get better right when are you when are you when are you going to develop something? Right, you know what I mean. Because your stories are trash. Are you at least going to develop some type of hand at at, at depicting your stories? Mm-hmm. Right, but no, you can't do that either. 
Next note. And this was this, it was a stream of consciousness. Stream of consciousness. Question. Yes. Does everyone in all of moviedom mm-hmm. own the exact same Nina Simone album? <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I see that same Nina Simone album. Yeah. It's so many. Every, every movie. And... How dare oh, no. Tyler Perry oh. take the sacred text that is anything yeah. by Nina Simone yeah. and desecrate it yeah. by having it attributed to this film. Read, read the very first note that I wrote under the title. Nina Simone? Really? <laughs> exactly. And you know why? Because... He he's not he can't steal any type of directing style, but he will steal whatever type of sentimentality you may have towards yeah. Nina Simone, and try and blend that into this film. Right, but it doesn't work because he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are so many lines in this movie <laughs> that just annoyed me, mm-hmm. like punched me in my gut. Mm-hmm. With just just cheap and so over the top, but there was no line that that got galled me more than let's not forget he took my virginity. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh no, not your virginity. <laughs> oh, but of not course. That. Not your virginity. Yes. Oh yes. no. But of course. It has to be. Oh. He has to take everything. Yeah. He has yeah, to ab- yeah. absolutely take everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me something? Yes, yes, hopefully. Younger Melinda. Yes, younger Melinda. In scenes with her sisters. Yes. It's easily a foot taller than them. Okay, yes. Taraji P. Henson is not even half a head taller than you, them. You have a lot of expectations <laughs> for continuity. But it makes sense because, again, this is a woman who would allow herself to be worn down by this man. Yeah, 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 yeah. For 18, 18 years. years. 18 years, yeah. 18 years 18. of you working two jobs. You working two jobs. And this man sitting home playing with his erector set. Yeah, well, well, yeah, well, yeah. And of course... And, and this is another, and of course, when he then they they, they lose the home, they lose freaking yes, everything, yes, lose everything, and now he gets an opportunity to you know make better because he's going to do this job for his brother-in-laws and and whatever, and yo, you got to make this delivery, and of course, the delivery that you're making is to the biggest event ever. Of course, it doesn't have. We're not going to the event. <laughs> 
So why does the event have to be the biggest event? Why does why did that have to be the line? And is the client that loaned us the money? They loaned us the money to get so our, our house out. House, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Like, it's a lot at stake yes. with this delivery. So it really just has to be just a delivery. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a delivery that we have to hear. Yeah, it's like he's got his CEOs come in and it's a real big delivery. Yeah, no. It's just all he has. He has to make a delivery. Right. He doesn't make it. Right. That's all you need. Yeah. You don't yeah. need to know. Everything doesn't have to be the biggest, the baddest. You don't have to lose everything, including her virginity. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to be that. It, it doesn't no. have to be all these freaking absolutes. It yeah. just has to be a competent script. Yeah. 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 Then <laughs> we get. It's not, I, I don't, it's not a MacGuffin. It's not a Deus Ex Machina. It's just all of a sudden, there's a purse in the truck. <sighs> I thought I'd missed a scene. Everybody thinks they missed a scene. I thought I'd missed a scene. Everybody. Because, it, because, dude, when I watched it the first time when I was in the movies, and when I watched it now. You're right, Because right. I watched it now remembering that, okay, let me see, did, was there anything that I missed in the right, connection right. between those two? You did No, you don't. You never saw them hook up. You never saw them go to, to lunch a, a couple of times or anything like that. No. All you know is that all of a sudden, her purse right. with her ID, yeah, and apparently uh, it seems all her credit cards, yeah, is in his truck, and she doesn't seem to have ever noticed it, yeah. So un- unless she is just paid like that, yeah, yeah, it makes absolutely no sense for the purse. If yeah, I thought it's one thing if you reach down and all of a sudden you see the business card, like, oh, whose business card is this? Because it's a chick's name. No, but and it's maybe, her whole wallet and purse. It's her yeah. whole wallet yeah. and purse. And it comes out of nowhere. Like you said, it feels it feels like you missed it. Like, yo, hold up. Was there a jump cut or something like that? Were you jump into a time warp? Yeah. Like, you know, what's going on? The story makes absolutely no sense. And now I'm going to finish out my notes. Okay. Exactly as I wrote them. The purse on the truck comes completely out of the blue. Story makes no sense. Who leaves a wallet with ID and cards and doesn't come back for it? Why the f*** did I do this to myself again? That's me talking about why am I watching this freaking movie? This movie, this, I do not, I cannot, I know, because I live with one, black women that love this film. Yeah. I cannot understand this film because this film is so freaking manipulative and yeah. one thing I did point out about this I figured out about watching it the second time is that I could see where he makes the flip because the whole first t- half of the movie of this two hour movie two solid hours two solid it's hours two solid I'm waiting hours. for the Avengers to come into yeah. this the whole first half of the movie regardless of how, how you know, I'll say it Stupid Taraji P. Henson's character is. Yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you're kind of rooting for her. Yeah. Because she has people on her side. Her sisters are making sense. Yo, I'm. They, they called it in college. The yes. Dude, it's got all the earmarks of a of a user. Yes. You know what I mean. And he's shown to be a user. He cheats on her and everything like that. Obviously, just a dude who uh, um only cares about seemingly only cares about himself mm-hmm. and 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 doesn't have any regard for any of the hardships and everything that she is going through to get him to make this marriage work, their life work together. You're, you're asked to, to root for her for that whole first half of the movie. And 
you're told and shown, told and shown, because that's what Tyler Perry does. Right. That the husband is a, is a, a, a I don't want to say he's lazy because he's sticking to, he, he is working on right, his right. thing. He's working his dream. But, but he's working his dream. However, but he is totally self-indulgent. Yeah. Um, and doesn't have any time for anything but himself, including her, and has used and manipulated her for four years. Yeah. Right? yeah You're 18. told and shown that, right? However, when he finally does get the call that he's been waiting 18 years from, from this angel investor. Right. And then he gets the meeting there, and he's he has the opportunity to make uh a boatload of money, which will help him and his wife and his family immensely. Yes. And, uh, but he will have to sell out his dreams. Yeah. Right? When he's faced with that moment, he doesn't sell out his dreams. Right. And it is at that moment, especially in the scene afterwards, when you see him, you know, like kind of disheveled, walking back down the stairs, but you know, in in his mind, holding on to his pride and 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 also holding on to his to his dream, like no, because he actually is right. He's yeah. right. No, I'm not, I don't want to sell it out because I know you're going to make a ton of money and I should be able to be a part of those profits. He actually he absolutely is right. But it is at that moment that Tyler Perry asks you to switch yeah. allegiance to him. Yeah, because from then on out. Uh, Melinda's character is shown as deranged, yep. um, spiteful, uh, jealous, and the the entire other side of the coin. When there has been absolutely nothing in her character beforehand that would lead you to believe that she would flip to that extent. Feeling mad, feeling upset. That's not feeling, actually true. Whoa, 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 whoa. Feeling mad, feeling upset, feeling jealous. Yes. She did run over the trailer with That's the what I'm saying. Okay. So, yes, she would be I mean, mad. That's not regular mad. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to say that she's not mad. Well, we know we know it's not regular yeah, mad. Yeah, that's crazy. Because she hit mad. the trailer. And right. we also know it's not regular mad because she told you ad nauseum in the movie. Right, right. That, 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 this is, this is yeah. my demon. This right, is, right. You know. So we know that. Yeah. It's been beaten into our brains. Yeah. All right. So, yes, I see her getting mad. I see her even getting, getting um, jealous. Mm-hmm. However, up until that point when she finally is done and cuts ties with the brother, she is absolutely right in doing so. She is. She's 100% right in doing so. It is only when he, on the other side of that, then reaches, uh, gets his level of success that he does, that she is then pulled into the side of deranged. First she has to go through the B-whale, and then she goes to the deranged, <laughs> as the as the movie tells us too. The five stages of acrimony, of acrimony, sunder, bewail, deranged, and then ex- inexorable. She has to go through all of that, and what tips, tips that for her is the man who she rightfully after 18 years was tired of. Right, right, divorced and, him. And divorced him, he gets a level of success. And yes, did he give this other woman the stuff that he promised her? Yes. Yes, he did. But he also gave her 
ten million dollars. Ten million dollars. And his and her sisters, who up until that point had been not only on point uh, on point about everything that he said about her, but on point about every piece of advice that they wanted to give to Melinda. Those characters, if they are being played true to form, would be the ones that would be in her ear. Yes, I know he's there, but baby, he gave you $10 million. You can have your own. You right. can live right next door to him. Right. You can still get your own freaking boat. That's what those characters, would, if they're played as they've been played in the first half, would, would do. But no, he has to have the Melinda on her way to crazy town curse out her her sisters. Yeah. All of a sudden bring up all this expository stuff about their, their life that we didn't know, right. that we didn't care about. And so that their voices are totally muted for the rest of the movie, which absolutely makes no sense because they were so loud in in the beginning. Throughout. Why would they mute, be muted at the end? Why? Because you can't have the voice of reason in her ear because the voice of reason would make sense. You never have any of the people who have been making sense all along making sense now. Because why? Because she's just gone off totally off the the, the wagon like that. I don't believe it. It does. It doesn't make sense that that character would do that. And even if you want to believe that that character would do that, the way that she does it still doesn't make any freaking sense <laughs> because she goes back, back crazy, oh, and all man. of a sudden she goes from Melinda, who's who's mad, who's upset, who is jealous. But you gotta remember, she's got ten million dollars in her in her in her pocket. It's not ten thousand dollars. He gave her ten million dollars. He didn't make her a millionaire. He made her a multi-millionaire. Yeah. And bought back her mom's house. Bought back mama's house. But that was not enough because now I want the man that I threw away because he knew my body. Oh. Because he knew oh. he, he owned my oh, body. Oh. Are, are you are you effing so. serious? Are you effing? I felt so. This movie, look, <laughs> look, and 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 it's a bad movie, which then makes Taraji P Henson horrible in it. As I watch this movie again, she is absolutely 100% horrible in this movie. She's funny because she's horrible. She is horrible in this movie. Everybody is horrible in this movie. There is not one... No, I take that back. There is one halfway decent actor in this movie. And I only say halfway decent because she's not given anything really to do. But what she does with it, she's okay. And that's the... um. The lady that plays her college roommate as an adult. Right, right. Her best friend. Yeah. Plays her best friend who, who actually was on uh, Flash. A couple, yeah, a she's been seasons. around. She's, yeah. she's a working actress. She's good. Yeah. She's good. I, I, I'll get her name in a moment, but, but she's good. Other than that, everything else about this movie and the whole idea about the Keller pilot at the beginning of the movie, that's only at the beginning of the movie because you quickly lose it and it's just um, movie by the numbers the rest of the way until you get to this horrible 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 green screen boat at the end <laughs> when all of a sudden she becomes yeah. an axe wielding yeah. murderer and you've got the, the hilarious scene of throw white people from a boat <laughs> oh boy well let's, well let's start here as a horror movie as a thriller I think this is one of 
two post-cookie films that came out last year. So it's this and Proud Mare. And I think that that if you talk about it as a thriller, as a horror movie, you can squint your eyes and think about the great Hitchcock quote about suspense in thriller, where he he basically said that if you have a film and an, and a knife wielding maniac jumps out and stabs somebody, that is scary. But it's scarier if the audience sees the maniac in the house and then the person comes in and kind of walks around and does stuff. And that is the suspense. Mm -hmm. I think in 2018, the advertising, everything with Taraji P. Henson, people are looking for Cookie the movie. Mm -hmm. Like they're looking for Taraji P. Henson to jump and be crazy and act crazy. And one of the things that I give credit to the film is that it holds back on crazy Taraji P. Henson cookie until the last half hour. Like it, it, you know, like you said, she does the voiceover and you've, I mean, like I, I also hate voiceover, but I think Taraji P. Henson's presence throughout, even with her voice showed a level of restraint that I don't oftentimes give Tyler Perry. To show him, you know, not doing it. So there's that. The second thing, and here's something I don't know if anyone will ever say again. In a lot of ways, I see this as a companion piece to Beloved. <laughs> we talk about Beloved, you know, we talk about Beloved and, and sort of this fear of black, black fear that you get with black motherhood and this, that, and the other. I think there is a very specific type of female fear and certainly black woman fear that you see come true in this film when he gets on he'll leave your ass for a white girl mm -hmm. where there is this great fear that a lot of women have whether you're talking about something like the first wives club or everything that I'm going to have this dude and I'm going to rod with this dude and I'm going to support this dude. And I'm going to be with this dude. Mm -hmm. And then when he gets on, I'm not going to be able to partake of the fruits of all of that. Mm -hmm. And he's going to go away. The fascinating thing to me about just the plot of this is that Tyler Perry goes out of his way to not make her a woman scorned. Like you said, she divorced him. He did cheat on her in college, but you know, you know. Look, man, I believe any like a twenty-year-old. I, I like look, anything a twenty-year-old does. I'm, I'm sure you're twenty, but he didn't cheat on her after that. But like you said, he did not get a job. He just worked on his battery. She held him down. He did, you know, everything that everything that they say, you know, they hold him down. This, that, and the other. To the point where I actually thought there were a couple of things in here on the level of production that I appreciated. What? I'm I thought it was cast perfectly. I thought it was cast perfectly. I thought that old that that older um older Robert played by Lyric Bent mm -hmm. of, of the She's Gotta Have a Television Show fame mm -hmm. and younger Robert played by Antonio Madison. Mm -hmm 
were perfectly cast because they look like that dude. Every woman listening to this has known that dude. That threadbare, kind of slovenly dude who had dreams Mm -hmm. and he got plans and he's this and he's that. And you look at old pictures of him and he looks threadbare and slovenly. But when he gets on, he gets a haircut and he puts on a suit and it's like, oh, all right. I see, you know, your stuff is working. Mm -hmm. The most famous example of that is our 44th president, Barack Hussein Obama, who when you see him in a suit now, and look like he have like he looks like he wears a wave cap at night, and he have his little haircut. But pictures of Barack Obama at Occidental, Occidental, yeah, when he yeah. got that crazy, like in the, like them old pictures of him and Michelle where he's wearing like that shirt and that sweater vest, yeah, and he looks like a nut. Mm-hmm. I think that is these dudes, and I think that casting these two men in these roles is a personification of these dudes that I thought worked well. Mm. And the thing is, I think I kind of like this movie. I think I appreciate the effort that Tyler Perry makes. Uh Uh-huh. To make this story mm-hmm. hold together mm-hmm. logically for the most part. I think I think they set it up about this character. Like you you know, look, the script it look the script is terrible. The, the script is terrible. It's well, the a, script is a story. Right, but it's a... No, 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 no. It's the story, and then it's the script. Okay, okay. Right, right, right. right, right, right but right, right, the story right. itself, they set up that this is a woman who has deep-set anger issues. Like, you say mad, but that whole... Like, the fact that she took that car and ran into his trailer and knocked it over to the point where she injured herself like she you know she uh basically injured her ovaries so that she couldn't conceive and the, you know all of that i appreciated the fact and that's actually I, I have in my notes more than anything else the two words i appreciate i appreciate the fact that her sisters acknowledge that this is crazy and you need to do something about this from the very beginning I appreciated the explanation that they gave for him not because you you know me you know I'm right you know I was right there where they said like you know they said oh he lost the house and and the first thing I said when he said he was an electrical engineering major and I assume they're going to Grambling like they never said but like they're both they both wear they both wear Grambling t-shirts I said there is no way in hell. A black man with a degree in electrical engineering from Grambling in the middle of Louisiana, maybe in Atlanta, can't get a job. But then he said, I committed a felony when I was 15. I thought I could get it expunged. I didn't get it expunged. Nobody will hire a felon. And I said, you know what, Tyler? I appreciate you taking the moment to put that line in there. Oh, get the fuck out of here. 
It's the truth. This whole freaking script, this whole freaking script is nothing but just putting in like like these little stupid explanations no. along the way. Here's the he, thing. He, he no, figured no, no, out a freaking plot no, no, no. hole Here. and he had to fill it. That's all that was. When has he ever filled the plot hole? Right then. He's learned that much. Uh, well, he's learned that yeah, much. Look, look. So I, maybe this is a second pad. Maybe this is a second draft. Uh, get out of here. Get out of here. When he says... That he has got to work on this battery and everything with this battery, you get the sense that he's off a little bit. Oh, the, yeah. But I appreciate that he's off a little bit. Like, I appreciate that he didn't punch you in the stomach and he doesn't cheat on her perpetually and all of the stuff that you've gotten after 10 years of Tyler Perry movies after 10 solid years of Tyler Perry movies. Robert, no, he doesn't cheat on her, uh, like cheat on her romantically or sexually. No, like that, but he cheats on her emotionally. When? Because he does. He, he's, he's totally devoid of any emotion. No, no, in no, that no, relationship. no, 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 that, no, you're absolutely right. But what I'm saying is that is a more subtle type of abuse. Like, don't get me wrong. She should have divorced him years ago. But this is... This is a toxic relationship that made sense. It does. Until the flip. Let I'll me get, finish. Let me finish. All right. I'm take a lock. I'm take a lock. I'm take a lock. So, again, I appreciated the fact that this is the closest to nuance that I've seen... In Tyler Perry, I appreciated the fact that he went out of his way not to make Diana, who's the woman that he cheats on with in college, and then eventually ends up with on the rebound because she works for Prescott, who we'll get to Prescott in a moment. I appreciated the fact that the script does not make her the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But you still don't like her. Mm -hmm. But you just don't like her because of the position she's in. Again, this is the closest to nuance I have ever seen in a Tyler Perry film. And I appreciated that. Like, I appreciated Crystal Stewart cast in this role because she looks like that woman. Even to the degree, like you talked about, her sister's husbands in the um, beginning of what I call the most awkward spades game ever. <laughs> the one sister's husband looks like a dude who has a kid across town. <laughs> the other sister's husband, when I saw him, I actually said, "Up oh, here goes one of these Tyler Perry actors. So when, when Taraji P. Henson's character said, and you know what they say about him, I said, is Tyler Perry acknowledging that he cast men who oftentimes look like they could be gay? And I said, you know what? I appreciate that. Is that what you're saying about Tyler Perry? Oh, Tyler Perry always has these over manicured looking dudes that look, you know, at the risk of being stereotypical. They look like they could be gay dudes. Mm. So when they say it in the script, I said, oh, okay. What's with this? Something, it's something happening here. And you go through this whole film. Like I said, I start with, I appreciate the restraint. 
that he showed with Taraji P. Henson post-Cookie. Like, you know it's coming. Mm. Like, you know it's coming. An hour and a half in, I was ready to come in and say, you know what? This is a mediocre film. This is a mediocre, forgettable film. At the last half hour mark, where melodramatic Tyler Perry and Cookie both came up to director Tyler Perry of Acrimony and said, is it time? And then director Tyler Perry said, yes, it's time. And he opened up the gate. (laughs) I howled. I laughed so hard. I howled for one solid half hour. From the moment Robert comes and gives her the flowers and the $10 million check, and she goes home and, and again, starts the most awkward spades game ever. And she starts to unravel. And I think you're right. Taraji P. Henson is not great in this film. But this speed, like this speed, Cookie, Mm -hmm. where she gets to just wall out. Oh, this... It it it. I thought it was Faye Dunaway in Mommy Dear's level hilarity, and I think for the most part it was deliberate. Like this is a moment where, unlike Medea, Tyler Perry understands that we are now going for spectacle. Mm-hmm. Like this is spectacle now, mm-hmm. and Taraji P Henson leans into it, and 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 I howled and cackled all the way to the end. Remember, because I called you because yes. I was in my house howling. I thought it was so funny. Now then, it's still Tyler Perry. There's not anything in here that makes me think that Tyler Perry still understands any type of anything about actual regular life like plot points like Melinda's mother left her $350,000 and a house I feel like that there should have been more commentary about that yes because I mean certainly certainly there are people who can leave their children 350,000 like and there are black people I'm sure mm-hmm. who who you know when they die they will leave their children $350,000 now I don't know any of them but I'm sure that there are so that I feel like someone should have said, damn, your mama left you $350,000 and a house free and clear. What did she give your sisters? My first question is, what did she give your sisters? Mm. So if you are a, a parent, like most of our parents, you would assume that everyone gets an equal share. So are you telling me that your mother left you a $350,000 and a house free and clear? Because I'm going to keep saying free and clear, mm-hmm. which means somebody got a 30-year mortgage and then paid it off. Yep. So your mama gave you a house free and clear and $350,000. And as you said, so she should say, well, what did you give the sisters? Because the sisters didn't seem... Upset? Upset about it. So what that says to me is, you know, you you, you kind of kind of adjust for inflation, and you know, the house maybe you know it's in the south, so so like the house maybe worth about you know between two two fifty. So did she give your sisters six hundred thousand dollars? So now I have more questions about these people 
who have who are these people have almost two million dollars in assets, or your mother gave you three hundred fifty thousand dollars and a house free and clear, and she didn't give it to anything to the sisters, and everybody seems to be cool with this. But again, Tyler Perry don't really understand mm-hmm. how how life works. Like Tyler mm. Perry, like I don't know if Tyler Perry has ever been in a situation where people divvy up things mm-hmm. when somebody passes and, and what comes from that and the type of stress and or or even understands the type of 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 money that people leave for right. people. Like right. three hundred fifty thousand dollars is not a small sum of money exactly. for regular folk. There's that. That doesn't make a lick of sense. This whole deal with Prescott, where he's he's going to give the battery to Prescott, and he spends almost 20 years focused on giving it to Prescott, and Prescott pulls stuff out of the... Uh, he does a lottery, and it's one day a year. I actually wrote in my notes that this guy apparently is venture capitalist Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. Like, I was so disappointed when they showed him. Like, I thought he was going to be, like, wacky. Welcome to Prescott (laughs) Industries. And he was like gonna be blowing bubbles or something. Cause that like like I don't even like I just have watched Shark Tank three or four times and I read like an article in Wired. Like venture capitalism, I don't think works like this. Not at all. So that also doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But again, I don't think Tyler Perry understands how stuff works now here's what's funny one thing that i suspect he did get right so as we mentioned at the end melinda ends up coming on the yacht Mm -hmm. but the yacht has this whole crew on it Mm -hmm. and i remember thinking like wow if if we're going to kind of do this as the as the climax and it's going to be melinda versus this new couple it seems like cinematically it would make more sense for it to just be the three of them mm-hmm. on the yacht. Like, it's him and his new wife out on the yacht, and then Melinda comes up. But then I said, you know what, though? I bet a yacht of that size, you probably have to have a crew. Like, you can't just take it out by yourselves. And I said, probably, because I don't know anything about yachts. Because I don't have a yacht. And I don't know anybody with a yacht. Like, I don't know anybody. Like, this was a big-ass <laughs> yacht. Like, I don't really know how that works like i never thought about it until when i watched it today but then i realized tyler perry has been tyler perry for 20 years like we talk about billionaire tyler perry but tyler perry was a millionaire before he was a billionaire so tyler perry probably knows a little bit about yachts yes so like that detail i think he probably got right like he said well if i'm going to have a yacht you need a captain you need a yeoman you need a Another word that I don't I don't know because I don't know anything about yachts. <laughs> you need a fourth person. There's like Gilligan, like you need a Gilligan, like and what a was, professor, and right? Like whatever Gilligan's job was, you need a Gilligan. So Tyler Perry got that part right. Yes. So that when the film ended, I looked at my notes and I looked out the window and I looked deep within my heart. And I think I liked it. I think I liked it because to bring it full circle, Mm -hmm. the part with Prescott, which doesn't make a lick of sense, Mm -hmm. the part with 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 the, the family dynamics of the money that's left behind, which doesn't make a lick of sense. 
because he had built up a modicum of goodwill with me, I was actually willing to let it slide. So that I I think I kind of liked Akram. Like, like all jokes, like if this was a student, like all jokes aside, I think I would give this paper a C plus, depending on what, uh, you know, maybe a B minus, like a C plus, B minus, like without, without knowing anything about the student, like this was just blind me, me, me grading it. But then if this is a student who I have worked and pleaded with, who has turned in substandard work for all this time, and then they turn this in where I see actual effort to address issues that we have talked about previously, I might actually bump it to a B just to encourage him and to show that I appreciate the effort. And I know I don't even understand the words coming out of my mouth. Like I'm saying these words and they're coming out of my mouth and I don't understand how they're coming out of my mouth. And I feel like the sister in Get Out where I'm just, I don't even know if I have control of my own body at this point. But I, I have to admit, like I thought it was, as you know, sort of mediocre. And then the last half hour where we moved into, again, mommy dearest territory with the madness, I just went along for the ride and enjoyed the hell out of that. So I was like, I think I liked it. Lynn, Lynn, Lynn. I think I liked acrimony. You who have pointed out many times about um, Tyler Perry seemingly troubled relationship with black women. Yes. Based on his depictions of them in his films. What do you think that this film says about his relation, his relationship with black women. I think this film is attempting to tell women to know when to let go. Like you said, he he gave her this ten million dollars. He didn't have to give it to her. She was unable to detach herself from the time that she put in and everything that she went through. And she thought that everything that happened after they separated, she was owed. Like, I think the thing about Melinda, unlike other characters, this is not a woman whose mistake was trying to be a career woman, was trying to, um, you, you know, say motherhood isn't for me, who, who wasn't trying to say that, you, you know, she, she wasn't attached to the community or, or she didn't, you know, go to church, which sidebar, did you notice there's, there was no church talk in this? Yeah, I, know, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is a different character and I think, I think the movie is trying to tell women no matter what quote unquote investment you think you've made. If you decide to let go, let go. Because again, I think the film goes out of its way not to make Robert 
or Diana, his second wife, villains? I guess not a villain. No, I would say a villain because he's he is he is extremely all about himself. He's all about this thing. But he but yo, Bill Gates, uh I mean shit. Again, Barack Obama. Barack Obama sounded like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. All the way up until he was actually elected president. Mm-hmm. Like one week before he was elected president, Barack Obama sounded like a crazy person. Yeah, but the difference. Who was not thinking about his family, was not thinking about his wife. Mm-hmm. Like Michelle Obama has been very clear in her own biographies about there was a lot of period where she felt like a single mother because mm-hmm. it was just her and the girls. Mm-hmm. And Barack Obama was out doing this stuff mm-hmm. and this, that, and the other. And all the way up until the moment he became president, mm-hmm. he sounded like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. And there are all kinds of examples mm-hmm. of men. And I'm talking about men now. Because mm-hmm. frankly, women very rarely have this type of journey where where they have this kind of man supporting them. And then they get on and then they trade the man in for a younger model. Like, you know, it okay. happens. Okay. Okay. But oftentimes we talk about men who do this. I think this is this is the fear. This is the fear. And and the fact that he didn't do anything, I won't say wrong, but he didn't do anything malicious makes this again more nuanced than anything Tyler Perry has ever produced in his entire life. The difference with him and Robert is that while Michelle felt like a single parent many times, she could also, in those times of deepest despair, look at her husband and look at his journey and see the steps that he has made. Right. The only steps Robert made was from the bedroom after Melinda went to work. Right. Into the other room. Right, the lab, of the house. basically, that he turned into a lab. And he did that for 18 years. Yes. Instead of even raising like a, a you could have raised a child in 18 years. Yes. Right? In 18 years, without giving up on your dream, you can try and, you know, since you apparently kept running into a brick wall. <laughs> can come try and figure out another pathway to your dream. Yes. You know, even if you're only getting, you know, I'm going to take this little BS job just so that, you know, as far as my dream goes, I'm paying for that. Yeah. I'm paying for the parts and everything for that so that that doesn't come in out, coming out of what you're bringing in. Even if he's only just doing that, this guy doesn't do that. And he hasn't done this for 18 freaking years. I agree with you. But again, let's not pretend we don't know people like this. That's fine. But that, but let's also not pretend that that doesn't paint him as the story that's being told as the villain. No, 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 no. I think you're only the villain all the way up. Until you get success. Yes. 
and then you Tyler were just and then you were it. just dedicated. But the, but but he, but he's not even the, but he's not. It's not until he gets success. He's the villain until he has to you know stand for his, stand for his rights. I'm not knocking the stance. I'm not knocking the stance. I'm not knocking. No no what no. I'm saying there. I'm saying retroactively. Like let's say Perfect World. It, this wasn't a movie. He makes this this licensing deal, which you know it sounds like that's hundreds of millions of dollars, mm-hmm. but he stays with Melinda. Mm-hmm. Retroactively, everything that he did in them eighteen years is now part of the journey. No, to I this. you're right. So that he wasn't the like as soon as you are successful, all of that stuff that happened before is no longer villainous. That's now part of your dedication and your an inspirational and aspirational tale that you go and you talk in front of 11-year-olds and you tell them. Like you tell them the story about how you spent this money and you never had a job and you worked 18 hours a day and on this battery and you burned up the wiring in the house and, and you, you fooled around and you lost your wife's ancestral house you know because you were so dedicated to it and then when people then at the end like little tommy has a question and says hey sir whatever happened to your wife's mother's house and you say you know what i went and i bought that house with cash and i bought it from the people who owned it and i gave it to my wife and then everybody cheers and everyone is happy okay so when the Luthor of this movie, Robert, has his Superman Superman moment. That's fine. But why does it then have to come at the expense of the character that has been... All of the characters right. that have been written about for the first half of this movie. Be- not even first half. Because first I three think quarters that's the of fear. this movie. I think that's the fear. Well, the fear is... There's not a... I think that that's not the fear. Like you've never heard any, and again, not to gender this, but you've never heard any woman talk about this, where these men get on, they leave their first wife or they leave the person that had them, you know, held them down before. And then they get with the whoever and this sort of scorn that is that, you know, nobody thinks about her and this, that, and the other. I think, look, on a base level, Tyler Perry makes movies for women. True? Yes. Tyler Perry makes movies for black women. Yes. And I think that this is very much a palpable black woman fear that they talk about with with public figures that they talk about even in our own lives. Like like you you know No, I understand I, I agree with that. And I think Tyler Perry is taking that real fear. And, and look, look, as 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 a craftsman, he's not good. Like I'm not arguing the quality of this film. And I think he is trying to say because, as we know, Tyler Perry is a moralizer. Like all his stuff, you know, he makes morality plays. And I think the moral of this film is he says, "My audience, black women, you need to understand that there is a moment." That even if your greatest fears are realized, which is, you know, you held this man down, you did everything. My wife always says this woman wipes the crust out of a man's eyes and has him, you know, has him, you know, looking good. And then he goes and leaves. You have to let go or else this weight will literally drag you down. 
Okay, so what is he trying to say about black men in this movie? I don't think he's necessarily trying to say anything about black men in this movie. I don't think he's, you know, again, because I don't think Robert is a bad guy. I don't think Robert is a bad guy. Robert is a... I think Robert cheats on her when he's 20. And, but, you know, again, Lord knows, I hope they don't start throwing... Robert them. is a manipulator. Well, he was a manipulator he, when he, he was, was a young when buck. He, right, yes, right, 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 right. You know, you start throwing rocks at people who cheated on their girlfriends when they it's were It's not 20. even about a ch- a cheating. I About the whole car thing. The and car thing. Then was, the, right. the school. And I will say this, because, again, my view... Tyler Perry built up enough goodwill that I went back and I admit this, admittedly, filled in some things myself. This is a story being told by Melinda. So if I wrote Nina Simone really the first, I think maybe my fifth thing I wrote was unreliable narrator. Yes. Because she's telling the story. So although the details... Or, or, or some of the facts are there. I think it is fair to read this as it's her version of the story. Even to the point, one of the little things that I like while I was thinking about it earlier today, like like they meet and he helps her study for a test in a class that he got an A in, mm-hmm. but then she still fails the test. And I was trying to figure out why Tyler Perry put that in the movie. Like, what does that mean? But then I said, you know what? This is an early example of he has all of this knowledge. He knows all of this stuff, but he doesn't know how to package it. Yeah. And then I wrote, was Tyler Perry foreshadowing? So I would have written on the side, were you foreshadowing? That actress I wanted to compliment, I I found her name, Danielle Nicolette. Yeah, I like her. I did like her. Yeah, I like her. I like her. So... All right, well, I'm in a weird place, Lynn. I, I don't like it. Everything like like everything is upside down. Mm-hmm. Left is right, right is left. Mm-hmm. Cats are laying with dogs. Mm. Yeah, they are. And I think I kind of like this movie. Well, I don't. I think this movie is a, a man, manipulative um, swill. <laughs> And, and I'm jealous because I want to, I want to sit in white hot Tyler Perry fury like you. You know I love the white hot fury of Tyler Perry films. Nobody should see this film. Nobody should see this film. Do not go see this film. Uh, run away from it. Um, uh, it's a waste of Taraji P Henson's considerable talent. Absolutely. I don't want this to come off like I don't like Taraji P. Henson. Nah, no question. I love her. Um, uh, but this is a waste of this is a waste of and eighty percent of the reason I think that this thing holds together at all I think is because of her. Yeah, I mean, well, okay, but I I I don't like anything that she's doing in here. I don't I, and and I don't like it. You ain't like the last half hour where she's bugging out. No, I really didn't. You, I didn't. I mean, you didn't find it entertaining. She used the two face acid. On the woman's dress. <laughs> yeah, I, I did peep that. Yeah, the show turned into Gotham. I was like, what the heck is going on? She pulled out the flask that had like the little chemicals. I love the fact that it had the little symbols. Did you see that? It had the symbols on the side of the flask so that you knew it was a chemical. 
It was a beaker. She had an actual beaker of acid. <laughs> she broke into a 1972 lab and stole a beaker of acid. I wish it would have said acid on the side. Acme acid. <laughs> I said, what's boss Zuko going to use? Would you recommend people see this film, Vince? Oh, my God. Would I recommend people see this film? Mm. Mm. Like, Mm. just the people? Yes. Like, just the people? Yes, the people, Vince. Okay. These people who who, who, who (laughs) live on your every word. Yes. Who who, who tune into our show mostly because they all side with Vince. Well, maybe not. Oh, long to see what Vince is going to say. Uh, We put up with Len, but he hates everything. Vince, show us the way. What shall we rent on Amazon today? The people? I would say no. Oh, really? Because it's not a good movie. But you like it, Vince. I liked it within the context (laughs) of Tyler Perry movies. Like, I think this is the best thing Tyler Perry has ever made. And yet you wouldn't recommend people to see it? No, because it's still not that good. (laughs) I don't know, Vince. You seem to appreciate a great deal of it. I know. It's, again, I'm... By God, you didn't even find it interesting. I'm... I'm... (laughs) This is all new territory for me. Like, this is new territory in real time. Like, I kept adding it up. And I was like, "Do I, I think I like this. Am I about to go say I like this? I think, and I've said this before. I say this every time we talk about Tyler Perry. I think Tyler Perry is arguably the most influential black filmmaker of the past 20 years. Full stop. And because of that, if you care about black film, if you care about the culture of black film, you need to be familiar with Tyler Perry. Mm -hmm. Full stop. I think everyone should watch two Tyler Perry films. I think everyone should watch a Medea film. I think everyone should watch a non-Medea film. And until this point, the non-Medea film that I always chose was um, Daddy's Little Girls. Mm -hmm. And then for jokes, you you know, everyone knows I'm a Tyler Perry's Temptation guy just because it's super entertaining. I think Acrimony is a quantum leap past Daddy's Little Girls as a film. Still not good. Oh. I th- look, man. Look, I think it. I think. I think it is. I. Th- I. I do. It's great. I know. I know. I don't. I know. I. I know. So if you have to watch a non-Medea Tyler Perry film, which I think everyone should watch one, I think you should watch Acrimony. All right. I know. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Lynn, I, I, like, I feel like I need, I should apologize to you. Like, no, I, no. like I wanted to, I wanted to be part of it, Lynn. No apology necessary. I wanted to be part of it. 
No apology in us. It's fine. You I wanted to. You have your opinion. I wanted to rage with you. I've been looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lynn, I feel like you're not mad. You're just disappointed. Is there anything you want to say to the, <laughs> uh, to the missionaries on this, which is obviously your last episode? <laughs> Of the Michelle mission. <laughs> it's been a real honor. Mm. <laughs> this is the reversal. This is our horror movie. Like, this is our horror movie right now. This is our horror movie right now. Like, this is a part in the thriller video where you look over at me and I turn around and I'm also a zombie. Yes. Yes, you are. Now, this makes you Ola Ray. Hey, well, I'm pretty. <laughs> Ola Ray was bad. Yes. Oh, Lord. I used to like me some Ola Ray. That's the only reason I watched the video. Oh, my goodness. Where's Ola Ray? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe she'll turn up in uh, the sequel, Acrimony Rises. <laughs> Because I'm sure we'll be coming to a screen. Boy. In 2019. There is a scene in this movie <laughs> where Diana is in the, I guess it's one of the rooms in the yacht. I don't know what they're called because, again, I don't know anything about yachts. Unlike Tyler Perry. Cabin. It will be a, a cabin. cabin. A cabin. And she's not, you know, she's doing stuff. And in the background. It's just people in the crew flying past her into the water. Because Melinda has held up the yacht at gunpoint. Yes. How'd she get on the boat, Lynn? I don't know, Vince. It don't matter. It don't matter. Then she fell off. How'd she get back on the boat? I don't know. It don't matter. (laughs) Oh, I howled in my house. It was so funny to me. Tune in next week as Ryan Sands joins the Michelle Mission. Fresh from the cast of Runaways. Oh, Lord. I've been replaced mid-season. I'm sorry. The crazy thing is, he's, Ryan is coming in, and he's going to be cast as Vince. <laughs> so I'm still going to, still right. going to be Vince just, and Len. Just, just, just. The part of Vince will now be played by Ryan Sands. There you go. All right. Anyway. Anyway. Well, next week, ladies and gentlemen, yes. we will be shutting down Halloween as we review Sugar Hill. Yes. From the 70s. Yes. Sugar and her zombie hitmen. And joining us in our review of this horror black exploitation classic will be none other than Gabe and Cat. Those lovely goyles from the Ghouls Next Door podcast. Looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And if you, uh, for some reason, have troubles finding Sugar Hill, that's fine. Because if you're near Philadelphia on Friday, October 26th, you can join us at a Malcolm Commerce and Coffee House for a free screening of Sugar Hill as we will be presenting it with special drinks and a whole lot of fun right there at 8.30 at a Malcolm Commons. is our third annual Halloween screening. Yes. And then that Saturday, 
October 27th at 1 p.m. live, live on WPPM, Vince and I will be bringing you the Michelle Mission live. It is our drive to five as we broadcast. Yes. And hope to raise $500 for WPPM. Yes, sir. People Power Media. And every one of you that helps us raise $500 in that hour, in that hour's time, will receive a commemorative DVD copy of The Last Dragon, complete with a full-length audio commentary by Vince, myself, and Ariel Johnson of Amalgam Comics and Coffeehouse. Awesome. All right. Okay, well, I need a drink. <laughs> the show will be available come the morn on showmission.com as well as Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and any place and every place a good podcast be, including the Podglomerate podcast network of curated podcasts just for you. Go to thepodglomerate.com. The show is available as a radio show every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 Philly Cam, People Powered Media here in Philadelphia and Camden. And you can spend your Monday mornings with Michelle on 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 here in Philadelphia. Hi, I'm Len. I have absolutely no idea who's sitting next to me. <laughs> what if it's an invader of the body snatches type situation? Then I'm going to cook your pod. <laughs> I will prepare a pot of your pod. In parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs> <laughs>